He said, I am so grateful. And I am still teaching Sunday school. You know, that's because he knows that he is overcome. Because the Lord is overcome. All kind of sickness. And then he has the hope that Pastor just talked about. You know, because of that, he said, I am grateful and I will, I was still teaching Sunday school. This is what we need. Before there was still our situation that's so deep, so seem like despair, but they're not despair. You have a place to go. And then the Bible said, no eyes has seen yet what we're going, that the Lord is prepared for us. Welcome this morning. The house of the Lord. Thank you again for another day, Lord. Father, we lift our hands to you, Jesus. No other help we know. Lord, if thou with God are set from us, where will we be? Jesus, we came here this morning to worship you, to give you your glory, to give you your honor for your goodness in our lives. We say thank you, Jesus. For riding every storm with us. We find hope in you, Jesus. We find strength. Jesus, when all things fail, Lord, we lean on you. Jesus, you are our everlasting arm. We stand each day, Lord. We look to you. We say thank you. We laid our lives before you. We thank you for all we have and what you have kept for us. Lord God. We let our pastor before you, Jesus. We say, Lord, we thank you for him. And as he goes out, Lord, may his light shine. Jesus, may they learn what he has taught them. Bless his family, Lord, in your absence. Mm -hmm. We know you always care for them, Jesus. And you're going to continue to care for them. And we'll open our hearts, Lord, to receive your message. May we believe it, embrace it, and live it. For these are many blessings and actions in the name of all God's people said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. I'll add my good morning to everyone else's and also my thanks and gratitude. I'll add to Pastor Ben's for your uh, generous giving to our chair campaign, our seating the expected, and we finally have all of the chairs filled in. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your gifts. Um, God, God does extraordinary things through his people, and we're just grateful for that. Thank you so much. All right, well, um, my name is Pastor Jim Olson. I have the privilege of serving here as the lead pastor of Bethel St. Paul for 25 years now and senior pastor of our all-nations family of churches. I've enjoyed a couple of times this week. I've had the opportunity to be with our Haitian Christian Fellowship and the revival. There's the last night tonight. If you want to get over, I'm telling you the food is incredible. So Sundays are food Sundays. Uh, we always say around Bethel, you may not leave better, but you will leave bigger um, and hopefully better as well. But um, but that's doubly true at Haitian Christian Fellowship, my goodness, uh, fabulous food, so 
come on over there, 4.30, 6 o'clock is the service over at First Covenant in St. Paul, and it's been a wonderful, wonderful time. Um, I also, I'm the, the father of uh, four children and the grandfather of three children, um, and in the ongoing adventures of Fiona, um, my uh, two-and-a-half-year-old, who is way too precocious for her age, um, so uh, she recently had an interaction with her dad, uh, Nate, my son-in-law. Um, Ow! Fiona says, I have a boo-boo. And uh, Nate says, oh. she's, uh, she's on the dramatic end of things. Okay, so everything's a little, yeah. Do we need to call an ambulance? No, Daddy, we don't need an ambulance. We need an ice cream truck. <laughs> That's my girl. All right, there we go. So, ah, train up a child in the way that they should go. Ice cream, the antidote to most of life's difficulties right there. So, very, uh, very, very fun. All right. So, there we are. Um, yeah, well... Uh, I am leaving today at 312, uh, Lord willing, and uh, Delta Airlines uh, cooperating for uh, the Congo, where I will be for 12 days um, ministering. I will uh, be flying from here to Amsterdam, from Amsterdam to Kigali, Rwanda, where I will be spending the night, and then flying from there to Bukavu, Congo, on Tuesday. Um, I will be uh, speaking... Uh, the first couple mornings, Wednesday, Thursday, at a very large, large uh, conference of uh, the largest denomination, Pentecostal denomination in uh, the Congo. So I'll be sharing uh, some word with uh, 1,500 or so pastors. Then I'll be doing trainings in the after- mornings and afternoons uh, for pastors and leaders. And in the evenings, I'll be uh, likely preaching in many, many different locations, uh, Saturday, Sunday, I'll be preaching in several churches, and um, Monday to Wednesday, I'll be a part of Pilgrim Center uh, for Peace and Reconciliation, one of their healing and reconciliation retreats, which are just taking off now in uh, Congo, and uh, so appreciate your prayers. Um, I so appreciated. Thank you so much, Andy and Beth, for your story of grace today. What a perfect introduction to the message today, and the last time I was in Congo, as you know, which was just in February, um, I uh, was... Uh, really, really, really sick for the entire three weeks that I was in the Congo in Kenya. And uh, at one point in the midst of that, in the midst of all of what I was being invited to do, I had to make a decision, and my decision was this. Um, and I told Pastor Justin, who has preceded me, he's over there now, uh, uh, he left last uh, Monday with your gift, by the way, thank you, $2,164 for the orphanage and school over there. Thank you so much for your generosity and He's bring, he brought that gift with him. And, um, but I told Justin, uh, I said, wherever you want me to go and whatever you want me to do, the answer is yes. Because that sort of took out the, am I going to be able to do this or not be able to do this? Am I going to have the strength or energy? Jesus, I'm in your hands. I'm your vessel. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. Wherever you tell me to go, I'll go. So um, appreciate your prayers. It's your prayers that sustain that. And uh, I really mean that. It's... This is not vacation time. This is intensive, intensive, intensive ministry time. So, Lord willing, I'll be back a week from Friday. This is a little shorter trip because I'm not doing the Kenya piece as well. Plus, um, just timing-wise, need to be back. And uh, so, Lord willing, I'll see you all in a couple weeks, uh, Sundays from now. And uh, thank you.
Thank you so much for your prayers. Thank you, Anna, for praying for me this morning. All right, with all that said, now if you would please turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, if you don't have a Bible with you um, or if it's not on your device in front of you, um, grab the, the Bible that is located in the seat rack right in front of you. And turn to the first book of the New Testament. So it'll be about two-thirds of the way through your, through your Bible. And um, go to the Gospel of Matthew. We are in an ongoing study of the Gospel of Matthew that uh, we began uh, last Advent. And we're going to be going through for the foreseeable future for quite some time. Um, right now, we are studying Matthew 8 through 12. Uh, under the message uh, series entitled Follow Me. And this morning we're really going to be kind of coming to a, a crux of this, this call of Jesus to follow after him. So strap on your seatbelt because uh, we're going um, to be challenged this morning um, by the words of Jesus. Now, I want to remind you as we studied the gospel um, we're not simply looking at old, dusty words that have very little relevance to our lives uh, in the here and now. I mean, what does this have to do 2,000 years later with my life? Um, the gospel, the Bible says, is in, in, embodies in it the very power of the living God himself. And so as we come to this word, the appropriate response is a response of trembling at his word, of humility of heart, of, of opening ourselves for him to speak to us. So I encourage you into that posture this morning as we follow after him. Today, the title of the message is The Challenge of Jesus, and our text is Matthew 8, 18 to 23. So please come with me there. It says, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, and that crowd around him, if you go back, and Pastor Ben shared last week about Jesus' healing of many there, and the crowds that had followed him to Peter, mother, Peter's mother-in-law's house, and so it says here, uh, so, so many were beginning to, to, to come after Jesus, um, f- following him uh, in his miracles and the work that he was doing. It says, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. And then a teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. And another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. And then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Well, the question, the first question, I've got a couple questions that we're going to ask this morning. The first question that I want to ask us is this. What are the challenges of following Jesus. What are the challenges of following Jesus? We live in a time, and particularly in this time in this culture, where um, really there isn't a whole lot of conversation often about the challenges of following Jesus. We like to talk about all of the benefits, and we're going to get to those this morning as well. But the benefits are, on the, are integrally connected to the challenges. You don't get the benefits without going through the challenges. 
Andy and Beth shared their story this morning, powerful. That was just, again, just a perfect lead-in to what the Lord wants to share with us, I believe, this morning. So, what are the challenges of following Jesus? Well, the first is risk. Everybody say, ooh. Ooh. Risk. Well, Jesus, it says here, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to go to the other side of the lake. Well, the other side of the lake was taking them over into an area that was primarily a Gentile area. It was a primarily, you know, the, it was primarily an area that was, was foreign. It was other. It was where those people lived. It was where there was different food and different customs and different kinds. Mean, and, and Jesus, you want us to cross over to the other side of the lake? You want to actually take us out of our carefully constructed comfort zone? What are you thinking? He's thinking that he wants us to follow him wherever it is that he happens to be going. And that's where the risk comes in in our lives. You see, Jesus' challenge to follow him disrupts the normal rhythm of our lives. Jesus' challenge to follow him disrupts the normal rhythm of our lives. Let's look at 2 Corinthians for a moment here. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This is Paul, the apostle, describing his own journey of discomfort, of insecurity, of uncertainty. In verse 23, there's more. It says, are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more, I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received the Jew, from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep, and I have grown hung, known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked, and besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Wow, now that's the life that I'm looking for, right? In America, we kind of have come to the conclusion that it is our God-given right to be comfortable, right? I mean, it's not, you know, the, the number one chair in America is not called the risky boy. The lazy boy. Get me in my barca lounger with my, you know, my remote. Got my remote holster. Got my remote. I'm living the life. But Jesus invites us to something deeper. Something better. I love this illustration. I've shared it before, and so many of you have heard it. But a lot of you haven't, so I just felt like I should share it again. 
It's entitled The Road of Life, and it says, At first I saw God as my observer and my judge, keeping track of all the things I did wrong so as to know whether I merited heaven or hell when I die. He was out there sort of like a president. I recognized his picture when I saw it, but I didn't really know him. But later on, when I met Christ, it seemed as though life were rather like a bike ride. But it was a tandem bike, and I noticed that Christ was in the back helping me pedal. I don't know just when it was that he suggested we change places. But life has not been the same since. When I had control, I knew the way. It was rather boring but predictable, and it was the shortest distance between two points. But when he took the lead, he knew delightful long cuts, up mountains, through rocky places, at breakneck speeds. It was all I could do to hang on, even though it looked like madness. And he said, pedal. I worried and was anxious and asked, where are you taking me? And he laughed and didn't answer, and I started to learn to trust. I forgot my boring life and entered into the adventure, and when I'd say I'm scared, he'd lean back and touch my hand. He took me to people with gifts that I needed, gifts of healing and acceptance and joy. They gave me gifts to take on my journey, my lords and mine. And we were off again, and he said, give the gifts away. They're extra baggage, too much weight. So I did to the people we met, and I found that in giving I received, and still our burden was light. And I did not trust him at first in control of my life. I thought he'd wreck it. But he knows bike secrets. He knows how to make it bend, to take sharp corners, knows how to jump to clear high rocks, knows how to fly to shorten scary passages. And I'm learning to shut up and paddle in the strangest places, and I'm beginning to enjoy the view, view and the cool breeze on my face with my delightful, constant companion, Jesus Christ. And when I just can't do it anymore, he just smiles and says, Paddle. I love that picture. Love to bike. But that picture of Jesus in the front taking us someplace. The second challenge of following Jesus is that it requires a radical reorientation in our lives. Now, radical, the, ro- the word radical doesn't mean out there somewhere. Radical, the word radical means the root. The root, a radical in, in, in mathematics talks about a prime number. It's going back to the radical. It's going back to that root. And in the very deepest place of our lives, Jesus invites us into radical reorientation. Now think about this. Let's, let's look at the, the conversation he has with the teacher of the law, who's, who's the, the, the really religious guy who, who knows all the things about the law and, and wants to follow after Jesus. Says, and Then the teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now, Jesus was living in a culture where, I mean, and and people were kind of trying to figure out who he was. And they certainly had a a whole uh, cultural contextual picture of what it meant for Jesus to be, you know, and again, we're going to come to this about in, in a couple of weeks about Lord and Son of Man and, and, and Son of God and all of that means. And, but they had a very clear context of what that meant. That meant the Messiah was going to be the king and it meant crowns and it meant power and it meant authority. And it, it does mean all of those things, but not in the way that they were thinking of what it meant. They were thinking of that all in earthly terms and Jesus kind of overthrowing Roman Empire and the rule. And Jesus comes and he says, he says it's going to be upside down from what you think. The Son of Man has no place to lay his... Think about that. The king of the universe, the one who created all things, doesn't even have a place to lay his head. Even the animals have a place to lay their head. Jesus says, 
The Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. Now that creates some inner dissonance, doesn't it? Because that means that things are going to look different than what I expected. I mean, Jesus' challenge to follow him disrupts the normal reality of our lives. Look over at Luke 18. Just uh, Luke 18, a couple of Gospels over. Luke 18, this is the story of the rich young ruler. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Well, all these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard this asked, well, who then can be saved? And Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said to him, we've left all to follow you. And truly, Jesus says, I tell you, said to, truly, I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who's left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom will fail to receive many times as much in this age and the age to come eternal life. In the upside down kingdom of God, as we open our hands and as we give away, as we surrender, as we submit, as we yield to him more and more, he does this radical reorientation and and, and, and he changes, and, and those riches that, that Beth was talking about, the riches of God begin to come clear, but they don't look like the riches that we expected when we started out on the journey. Do they? So it requires this kind of, in your head. And I feel like this is one of those times, I I may have already shared this with you, but I'm going to share it with you again. I believe that this is a time when God is actually, Jesus, I saw a picture of him in my mind's eye, just a, a brief vision of Jesus with his hands deep in the clay. Water pouring in and he's, he's moving and shifting. I believe Jesus is moving and shaping in our lives in foundational places of our life, in the foundation stones. He's not just rearranging things on the outside. He's going deep in our lives and in our life as a church in this season right now. And he's bringing about radical reorientation, disrupting the normal reality of our lives. All right? The third is rejection. Oh, pastor, this message is just encouraging me. Come on, keep preaching. More. Risk. Radical reorientation. Rejection. Yes! There's probably a couple of you out there that are saying yes, and maybe we'll do some prayer ministry for you later, because you may have other issues. Okay. But for most of us, it's like, what? But listen to what Jesus says here. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now, is Jesus being like exceptionally uncharitable? Like he, 
It's like he's got no bedside manner whatsoever. My daddy just died, and you're just telling me just let the dead bury their dead? Don't. Well, we got to back up the bus for a moment. First of all, if the disciple's father had actually just died, he wouldn't have been in the crowd. He wouldn't have been there. What he was really saying, and there was a responsibility. Uh, for those of you that come from other cultures, you know this responsibility really well. I've had conversations with multiple, many, many, many of you over the years about this responsibility. You know that the oldest son's responsibility, his responsibility kind of for all of the father's business and family and all of those things, right? That's his, that's his responsibility as the firstborn son. So this guy was probably a firstborn son saying, Jesus, I've got to, before I can come follow you, I have to take care of my father's affairs. Until he dies, I'm responsible. I'm sort of his under, you know, I'm, I'm the guy who's running the business and doing all those things that I've got to follow. I've got to follow him until I can follow you. Jesus says it doesn't work that way. Because what happens is when Jesus comes into our life, he challenge, his challenge to follow him disrupts the normal relationships in our lives. He really is about making us holy, not just happy in our relationships with our spouses and with others. He really is about, he really, you know, I, I, I love um, Pastor Ned Berube who says sometimes, he says, you know, Jesus actually thinks that he owns you. And guess what he does? Because you were bought with a price, his blood on the cross. You are not your own. Nor are your relationships or all of those other things. Get disrupted. And there's, you know, in, 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 in that, that risk place, what the risk does is it creates in us a certain instability and a, and a sense of, or insecurity and uncertainty and discomfort. The rejection creates this discombobulation and instability. In, in rejection, sometimes it creates a, an, an unsettledness in our relationships with others. And sometimes it even kind of dis, it disrupts, or almost creates a discord because we're going one direction and we're getting pulled in other directions from other folks. And we need to bring them towards him instead of allowing them to bring us towards them. It can be a challenge, yes? Anybody experience this challenge? I have. I've been walking with the Lord now for 50 years. And I know I've experienced these and continue to experience these and even experiencing them in the here and now. I feel his call and his invitation to risk. Oh, I don't want to risk. I'm too old to risk. I don't want to have that radical reaction. Aren't I far enough along in the... No. Do I have to potentially experience rejection again from the things, the, the disruption of all of the things that feel so... Yes. Because here's what's the point. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Listen, the crowd didn't follow him, but his disciples did. To be a disciple, a learner, a follower of Jesus requires getting into the boat when he says, we're going to the other side. Pastor Tom's going to talk about the journey next week. It's going to be fun. What happens on the lake? Oh, it's going to be smooth sailing. Well, maybe not so much. Read ahead, okay? 
But here's what, here's what, let, let me try to crystallize this follow me message. Jesus is challenging us. This whole series, this is, this is what Jesus is doing in us right now. This is the foundational work that he's doing. He wants to move us from cultural Christians. Well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I was born and raised in the U.S. Or I was born and raised in some other country where, you know, I mean, there's some countries where it's 95 or 97% Christian. Really? Well, it's a cultural reality. But he challenges us to move from the cultural to kind of come start pressing in closer to be maybe become part of the crowd. And maybe you're here this morning and you've just come and you're just part of the crowd. And, and it's like hey, you're watching what's going on. You're like, I'm not so sure what this is all about. But okay, I'm here. I'm stuck. Uh, I can't get out right quite yet. Okay, pretty soon. All right. But then there's an invitation to move from the crowd to becoming committed. That's going to require now stepping into those challenges, but he wants to take us even beyond that. He wants to bring us to the core. This is the movement that Jesus is inviting us into. Where are you on that, on that continuum this morning? Are you a cultural Christian? Well, my mama was a Christian. My daddy was a Christian. My grandparents are Christian. You know, whatever. I've, uh, yeah, I've been in church a few times, or I'm just, you know, are you part of that crowd? Yeah, I, you know, I, 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 yeah, I'm following. I see what Jesus does. It's really cool. He's, he's a great guy. Or am I committed? Am I, am I actually stepping over the line and beginning to, to walk in the life of the kingdom? Or, or am, I really, am I ready and willing to move to the core? Because if I am, I, I'm going to invite you to respond to his challenge and receive the rewards of following him. Okay? I'm going to invite you to respond. So how do we respond to these challenges of risk and, 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 and radical reorientation and, and rejection? Well, three things. First of all, embrace the cost. Embrace the cost. If grace is greater riches at Christ's expense, that's what grace is, it also comes at an expense in you and me. Not the expense that Jesus paid, but there's a cost to us as well. They preached the gospel. This is in Acts chapter 14. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they say. When was the last time you heard that on Christian TV? We must go through many hardships, but why? To enter the kingdom of God. Am I willing to allow Jesus to disrupt the rhythm of my life in order to receive the reward of his promise, the kingdom? Are you willing to let him... Am I willing to let him disrupt the normal rhythms of my life? Tough questions. Secondly, seize the moment. When Jesus reached his father, you know the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was the short guy who was the tax collector. He was an outcast of everybody. All right? You know about Zacchaeus? What's that, Rich? What are you muttering about over there? Short guy? Sorry. All right. Vertically challenged young man, vertically challenged guy, Zacchaeus, all right? You remember him, right? Everybody? 
I got to tell you another Fiona story. This is great. This has happened also last week. They live in Chicago, and they were going to visit Ikea. There's a big Ikea not far from it. And Eleanor was driving, and she says, look, Fiona, see the big, there, the big blue? That's Ikea. Ikea's right over there. And Fiona's in the back in her car seat. She says, I see it. I see him. I see Zacchaeus. <laughs> Ikea, Zacchaeus. All right, you know. She's learning Sunday school. You know, that's great. So. All right. So when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Listen to this. I must stay at your home today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay him back four times the amount. That's some salvation going on there. (laughs) Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save what's lost. So here's the question. Am I willing to allow Jesus to disrupt the reality of my life in order to receive the reward of his presence? He doesn't just want to be a guest in your house. He wants to move in. He wants to move into your life. But the reward is his presence. You get to have Jesus with you. That's the beauty of salvation. When we open our hearts to him, the spirit of God comes and lives inside of us. What would even be better? I mean, people say, well, if I only lived 2,000 years ago and I could have seen Jesus. and Well, what's better than seeing Jesus or walking alongside of him is actually having him walk along inside of you. He's with you all the time. Focus on the goal. Now that I've already obtained all, not that I've already obtained all this, or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Am I willing to allow Jesus to disrupt the relationships in my life in order to receive the reward of his prize. Now I've heard somewhere out in the wind that we're moving into something called football season. Uh, don't know much about it, but anyway. There's this great story that Tom Friends of the New York Times tells about, he, he asked Jimmy Johnson so what he told his players before leading the Dallas Cowboys under the field for the 1993 Super Bowl. He said, I told them if I laid a two-by-four across the floor, everybody there would walk across it and not fall because our focus would be walking the length of that board. But if I put that same board ten stories high between two buildings, only a few would make it because the focus would be on falling. Johnson told his players, don't focus on the crowd, the media, or the possibility of falling. Focus on each play of the game as if it were a good practice session and the Cowboys won the game 52-7. to If all you're thinking about is falling, where are you fo- where's your focus? Come on up, worship team. You're closing here this morning. I 
I really sensed in my heart today that there was a, a very sobering invitation from the Lord today to take even a step. So maybe you're not ready to take the step from the cultural to the core this morning, but would you be willing to take a step a little bit closer? Would you be like Zacchaeus who stood and, and, and raced up and got up in a tree just joining the crowd to look at where Jesus was? Maybe you just need to move even to that place of the crowd today. Maybe you've been in the crowd, but you hear the voice of Jesus inviting you today, challenging you to take a step towards commitment to Him. Maybe you've been committed, but now there's an invitation to step into the core. You know, we talk about the hardcore. It's where things... You know, it's where, the, it's where the, the tandem bike ride gets really interesting. But are you willing to do that for, are you willing to, 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 to go through those challenges to receive his promise and his presence with you? Are you willing to, to, to step forward out of that? even to receive the prize that awaits those of us who are willing to follow him. We're going to sing this song. Uh, Probably everybody in the room has heard it one time or another, somewhere. I have decided to follow Jesus. That ring a bell? What you may or may not know, written by an Indian man whose family had all been martyred, and they were saying... If you want to live, you've got to renounce Jesus. And in the middle of all of that, he stood there and said, I have decided to follow Jesus. So this morning, let's not sing this song lightly, but soberly today, just recognizing that following Jesus, there's going to be some risk, there's going to be some reorientation, there's going to be some rejection. But I want to tell you, after 50 years of following him, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's an adventure, and there's nothing better. So come on, we'll stand to your feet. And if you want to come down here and just step into the boat with Jesus today, whatever that looks like and whatever that is for you. And if you need prayer today, Pastor Litovic's right here. Pastor Tom and Kathy are here. Pastor Ben, right over here. Tiffany, anybody along the front here would be happy to pray with you. Just grab one of their hands and say, I just need somebody to walk with me right now and pray with me. And then I will give a benediction after we sing through this, and then you're released to go. But if we could just hang in here and, and support those who are stepping out, whatever that is for you today, if you're just feeling the Lord inviting you, if you feel the challenge, step out right now. Come on. I have this
hotel. Sing it again. Come on. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. Come on. If you feel, you hear his voice right now. Come on, don't turn back. Turn towards him. Step on out right now. To follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, though none go with me, though none go with me, though none go with me, still I will follow, though none go with me, still I will follow, though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back, the world behind, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning have everything else come on give me Jesus Take a hand of a person next to you and sing it together. We have decided to follow Jesus. We have decided. We have decided to follow Jesus. Woo! Yeah. No turning back. One more time. We have decided in this house, we have decided, we're going to follow Jesus wherever he takes us, whatever he says to do, we're going to follow him, he is worthy. No turning. Could you join hands together one more time? Join your hearts with those that are praying in front. And maybe you still want to come on up. The worship team is going to continue to worship. I'm going to be slipping out the back quickly this morning because I have to get to the airport shortly. But I want to pray a prayer of benediction and blessing 
over us, even in this place this morning. Jesus, you know our hearts. You know that we are simply flesh. You know that we are like dust here today and gone tomorrow. Like grass that withers. And yet, Lord, you've elevated us and you've made us just above all other created things. I don't get that and I don't understand that, but the value that you have in us is incredible. And the invitation that you give this morning is bracing to us. It's a challenge, Lord, to follow you. But Lord, our hearts say yes. And you know, Lord, where we're struggling with that this morning. You know each of our hearts, the thing that's hard to let go of in order to to respond and say yes fully to you. But God, help us in that place, I pray today. Help us, Lord, to surrender fully to you for the rewards that you have for us, God. So worth it. We bless. And so now I pray that you may be filled afresh, even this very day. Open your hand, or hold your hands together, but open them here in your hearts to the Lord. May He fill you afresh this very day with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, with the inexhaustible strength and power, comfort and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours. As you go from this house to yours, sent to make disciples of all nations, go with the banner of His favor over your lives. And until we gather again, either in this house or in our eternal home. I bless you, people of God. And I pray that his love and goodness and mercy will chase you down every day of your lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, go in grace in Jesus' name. Amen. All God's people said amen.